my gosh, I'm going to say this now, but then I'm going to have to edit this and drop it in at the top of the ep- uh, episode because this is v- vitally important. The lines are open for Listener Request Month. We are going to be doing Listener Request Month in May. So until April 15th, that is tax day, uh, you have until April 15th to call your request in. We need your name, where you're calling from, the movie you'd like to hear us do, and a short description of it. Try to keep your calls short, under... Or why you want us to pick it. Not not pick it, because it's it's randomized, but like why you think it'd be a good, good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, why you think we should pick it is probably correct, even if it is randomized. I just wanted to be like, we don't, we don't pick. We, it is out of a hat. Yes. Uh, so then phone number is 856-347-7328. Once again, 856-347-7328. If you need it again, hit the rewind button. Isn't it 856-DISSECT? It is 856-DISSECT, but I like to give it the numbers out too. So 856-DISSECT. Once again, name, where you're calling from. You're just a city. We don't want your address. And uh, a movie you'd like to see us cover on the show. Uh, to boost your chances, visit Patreon and sign up there because all Patreon supporters get a chance to weigh in on what that episode will be. That'll be our bonus episode for June on Patreon. But there will be three main feed episodes in May on, on uh, requested by you. So we, we love doing this and uh, incorporating your suggestions. And we've gotten some very good stuff over the years. And also the Garbage Pail Kids movie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, give us a call and let us know what you'd like to hear us do. Because without you, there will be no show in May. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by our fine Patreon supporters who recently just got a full-length episode on the B-movie classic Tremors. If you want to hear that episode or any of the... 10 plus bonus episodes we have at this point visit patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s to learn more welcome to dissecting the 80s i am trip lano one half of the mega podcasting powers and with me as always is my tag team partner mr north american cub 2023 the macho man andrew lano or lexapro i guess that's what my that's my title true. Is under. Stage names. Stage names. Yes. Uh, congratulations to you. Uh, our Patreon folks, folks heard all about this, but pageant winner extraordinaire. Uh, congratulations to you. Thank uh, you. We are dropping an episode on the most perfect. Literally, this has never happened before because our show comes out on Mondays. But History of the World Part Two drops the day this episode drops. We've never been so. Oh, okay. So this is a new territory for us, but we saw that Hulu was doing their own history. Does Hulu of the do World weekly two. or do they do all at once? Ah, uh, it's a good I question. Think only ne- I think I know Netflix always does all at once. I think Netflix is the only one that does all at once. Okay. Now. I think everybody else has switched over, but I could be wrong about that. Um so a lot of networks do like a week like HBO Max for uh some of their shows does like two, three, two, 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 like bizarre oh, stuff weird. like that. So Anyway, we watched History of the World Part 1, and since Andrew has a sore throat, I'm going to try to do this. We got to go back. We got to go dissect the 80s. It's it's your sketch movie. Something's got to be done about your sketch movie. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Great Scott. Great Scott. of the crop. Oh, 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 oh yeah. Mega power, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So you're more, you're more, uh, Kramer, and I'm more Bernie Sanders. 
when we do it. May, I I felt extremely Bernie Sanders in that moment. No, because I feel like funny. Bernie Sanders, at least in my mind, has more of the like the Jerry Seinfeld of it all. I don't. I feel like Kramer is not that raspy. No, yeah. So anyway, uh, I discovered while I was watching it that I had never seen this movie before, which was an interesting. So crazy to me. Yeah, because you you had this movie. You had a copy. I of owned this movie. Sure. Yeah, and I um yeah. Like, I, I think for, like, my Sweet 16 or something, like, I remember distinctly, like, writing a thank you note that was like, I'm going to buy History of the World Part 1, like, with it, or whatever. Huh. So, wh- how was it on your radar? Uh, Mom and Dad. You know? I mean, at that age, how is anything on our radar? Okay. Well, you said Sweet 16, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just... I think, well, that, so, yeah. when I was 16 is when you start to realize, like, oh, Mom and Dad's movies aren't my movies. So, like... Yes. I need to have some of them, are, some of them but not, but like, I need yeah. to have a copy of my own for when I go to college. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, our grandmother definitely was the one who introduced men in tights. I feel that sounds right. That sounds correct. Uh, yeah. And I, I definitely watched men in tights a lot. And then I saw young Frankenstein probably like a time, maybe two and Spaceballs a bunch of times, but I feel like I'm, I'm like, whoa. Cause like, I real I was like, when I read Mel Brooks's book, I was like, oh, I haven't seen a bunch of these movies. That's surprising to me. And I was just like, some of these I've never even heard of, like some of the, you know, the more catalog, the lower tier catalog. But like, I'm pretty sure I've never seen the producers, despite the fact that I've owned a copy of it for forever. Yeah. I, so I've seen the stage musical and the movie musical, but I don't think I've seen the original, but I do own it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know if I still own it. I definitely got a copy of it for a birthday or Christmas the same year you did. Um, anyway. So I was watching this and I like I I knew like two things. I knew the the 10 commandments bit mm-hmm. and I knew a couple other bits, but there's a most of this has just felt totally new to me. So I was pretty sure that I've not actually seen this whole movie. Before, well, so is there is a dad line in this movie. Hang on, let me I wrote it down. Okay. Oh, you flunked flank. Yes, That's a dad I line. I remember that that is a and dad so, line. So maybe he liked this one. I, it must be, but somehow it just like missed you. Missed me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so this is like clearly a series of sketches he had come up with that he sort he of had two long, long form sketches and was like, well, this yes. is not enough for right. something and they don't really make sense together. That is not a movie. How do I? Yeah, exactly. How do I? Yeah. What, what, what thread do I have on the wall that I can string these together with? <laughs> My biggest beef of this movie is like at the end, the, they like join the narratives and I'm like, now hang on. <laughs> what are we doing? I here? think it would have made more sense to do that if, um, what's the virgin's name? I do not remember. It, I know who you're If talking the about. virgin and Mademoiselle Rambo were played by the same actress. Oh, If sure, they did that, that it would have made more sense that like. Yes. Oh, they would know Josiah or Joseph, Josephia. Yeah. Josephus. Gregory Hines. Josephus, Gregory Hines. Yeah, or or you do the, like, we're traveling through movies version of this. Like from Blazing Saddles? Do they do that gag in Blazing Saddles? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, the ending of Blazing Saddles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like that kind of thing. Because that's, I mean, that's the other thing about funny about this is this is clearly, like, the Star Trek, and I've talk, made this observation 400 times, so apologies if you've heard it 399 times previously, but, like, the... Uh, the whole like, all right, what sets available this week? And it's like, all right, we got no one on the Roman centurion lot. And like, well, I guess that's what we're going to a Roman centurion planet. Yeah, apparently, uh, at least according, actually, no. So I think it was an interview with like the Directors Guild or something. Um, mm-hmm. He said that 
he didn't have a Bible section, like he didn't have the Ten Commandments bit. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he saw them. He saw all the sets they were, they made for the cavemen. And he was like, well, maybe I can do something to sort of like add like a bit in between, like yeah, pad it up yeah. a little. And he was like, well, what if we like shift them around a little? Do they look like mountains? So they like basically just rearranged things to look like a mountain, and oh, that's how they did that. So sort of, you're right. Okay. So since you started there, well, I, I mean, obviously we're going to go chronological anyway, but uh, we start with some great Orson Welles narration of uh, apes or early man, I guess, somewhere between ape and man. Homo erectus. And, That's the joke. Yes. And they are absolutely just smashing their dicks. Yeah, erectus. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I get, I get it. Thank you. Mm. I'm just saying it's very funny to hear the rich timber of Orson Welles and just dudes wailing on well, themselves. Well, it's so funny. Orson Welles is like held on a pedestal as like a very serious auteur but like he was kind of a a, a troll like in um in, what's rosebud uh citizen kane citizen kane in citizen kane there's like a weird bird moment that's like a jump scare where it's this weird like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh over filtered bird just like appears on screen yeah, and screeches yeah. And he, there's an interview with Orson Welles where some some is trying clearly trying to be like hoity-toity, like now what does that mean? And Orson was like, "Wake him up! It's pretty late in the movie." <laughs> I think that I think the thing of it is is he made what most people consider to be the best movie of all time. Yeah, Citizen Kane, um, a movie I I enjoyed the time I watched it in college. I have not seen it. In I have never seen it. Twenty years, but. Um, but then by the end of his career was doing like horrible commercials and whatever. He basically, he basically was doing the like, well, the only thing I've got left is the value of my name. So might as well cash that check until no one will cash it anymore. Yeah. And that's what he did. Like, I mean, his last film performance was in the Transformers movie. You know, he like died almost immediately after. Oh, the, the cartoon one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 80. He died in the 80s. So, you know, at this stage, he's like, maybe still. Still respected enough that this is sort of a Liam Neeson play. I did not look this up. So, or right. not Liam Neeson. Good Lord. Uh, I said Liam Neeson because it just got announced that he's going to be in a remake of Naked Gun. But I wanted to say Leslie Neeson. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I honestly think that's extremely logical casting. It's the same exact idea as casting Leslie Nielsen. The question is whether Can he'll you do be it? good in it or not. Yeah. Um, you know, and also, you know, why... <laughs> Again, would anyone publicly say the insanely racist things that he said unprompted? Wait, but which one? Liam Neeson. Oh, I missed that. Is this new? Or is this old? It's probably five years old at this point, but it was like he talked about a friend getting assaulted. And oh, yeah. Was black and he was. This is now like, coming back to me. Ran around the streets looking to get into fights. And I was just like, what the fuck? But I will say uh, he was on Atlanta uh, in its last season and he was very funny in that. So uh, I feel like Daniel Craig's kind of doing a Leslie Nielsen. Like, yeah, a little bit. He did a lot of a little silly. all the serious. Now he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll do fucking Foghorn Leghorn for you. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Leslie Nielsen is. Maybe what they were going for here. I don't know. I did not look this up, but this is this is what 81? I actually don't know. I didn't. That's the one thing okay. I didn't. I didn't have. Okay, uh, but you know, it, it's very possible uh, this was playing on that before he was like you know doing weird commercials and getting so shit faced he couldn't stand up. Orson Welles. Then. Yes. Uh, so we you know we got the cavemen. Then we're trying to start a fire. I will say uh, I have a few times in here like if this movie were made today. 
because there's like a few little things sure. that I thought of that yeah. this, because they talk about, you know, um, it was apes and then apes stood up and became man. And I was like, there would be a joke right, in right, there right. about like, if you're watching this movie in these states, please cover your ears for four, for the next yeah. two minutes. Yeah, absolutely it would. Yeah. I, w- I would bet there would be a joke like that in the re- the, re- the revised version, I'm sure. So have you ever... I- or the, the reboot here, whatever we're calling it. Sequel, I guess, is a sequel. Yeah, I, I, I still see occasional ads in, like, Instagram and stuff as I scroll through, and one of them that they, they show is for History of the World. And the best is that it's, like, a quick clip of, um, not Nick Offerman, Nick Kroll. Yeah. Uh, and then they show Mel Brooks, and he's like, I took the money, and here's the show. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm so curious what the show is going to look like if it's, because I wouldn't be shocked if he was just like, yeah, sure. I'll take the money. Yeah, sure. Take here's the show. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm very curious. I'm very curious about because, like, I gotta be honest. I thought the trailer looked pretty middling, and then I watched this movie, and I was like, uh, it's kind of the same. Like, it's very cheap looking, and this is uh, to me. See, I didn't think this looks too. Ch- it looks. It looks like a movie. It all looks like sets. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I that is what I should have said that instead of cheap looking. It. I did you have you seen the trailer for the new? I don't think I have actually. I've just seen the a clip of okay. like Nick Kroll. Okay, because it it to me looked like very much like actors on sets, which I feel like this looks like. But also, they're not like trying to realistically be Rome, you know. Yeah. Also, you're kind of doing a silly movie. It's hard to look realistic. Because that's I, I I that's jumping ahead to Rome for a second. I love that the all the props and the weapons look like a a shitty community theater production. Yes, yes, yes. In particular, the the bit where the he's actually holding what is a prop yes. and not a yeah. Um, anyway, I really like this trying to start a fire bit where the guy brings over a lit torch and they like try to use it to make a rock hot enough to start a fire. Yeah, and then they, they try to light the, the rock on out. fire. It's, yeah, it's pretty good uh, bit of business there. And then the subsequent one, which is a cave painting, and they're like, and here we see the first critic, and the guy stands up and takes a piss on the wall. The first like, artist, stupid, and of course, like the inevitable critic. That was the first heterosexual marriage, which I, f- I misheard. I was like, homosexual? And then the immediate joke yeah. after is the first homosexual marriage, which I thought was yes. great. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was I was like, oh, look at that. It's, this, it's the same 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 gag twice. I also love the, the bit being the one partner smashes the, the man smashes the woman over the head. And then the, obviously it's just one of the partners in, in the gay couple, but then drags their lifeless body into the cave. I also love that uh, death... Uh, death was so you know nebulous death was so new that it was greeted by you know what does it say it was greeted with awe and then it cuts to all of them looking at a dead person going oh yeah yeah uh very 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 much the uh the sort of muppety uh type of joke yeah mel brooks muppets is like my my peak comedy Yeah. yeah yeah they don't make them anymore but they did for a while i know i know uh, so then we see the spear, the invention of the spear. I gotta be honest, this is the the caveman stuff has like a few good gags, but is the draggiest of the movie to me, even though it's a pretty short one. I think be- because I feel like it's- it doesn't drag for me because it's so short. Yeah, but it's like the same. It's like six variations on the same joke of like origin of X, origin of Y, origin of Z. Yeah. So it's like you know I, I you know probably could have trimmed one of these. The uh, the one I do think is the funniest is this long bit that they end with where. Somebody drops a rock on someone's foot and they yelp melodically and that becomes like a way of making music, which is to just smash people in the foot with rocks over and over again. I agree. 
Um, I also love how all the bad wigs, like it's just all bad wigs yes. in the caveman era. Yeah, really, really bad wigs. Yeah, lots of like puffed out, plasticky looking party suits. Yeah, the, n- no one powdered these first to take away some of the shine. It's just like plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we get like m- like the joke I remember most from this movie is uh, Moses. Moses with the towel. Someone just was. I think it's Moses. Me, uh, all right, somebody was just sent in, sent a correction in about the the uh, the Ark of the Covenant not being related to Jesus because it was related to the Ten Commandments, and I was I didn't say this because I was like, no, yeah, they might be religious and find this offensive, but I was like, ah, friend, you misunderstand. When I say Jesus stuff, I mean all that. It's all the one thing. <laughs> it's an it's umbrella, just one you big see. Pile. It covers yeah, it all. You see, you see, I don't care enough to know the distinction, so it is just Jesus stuff. If it was in that book, uh, it's Jesus stuff. Yeah. It's Jesus stuff. Yeah, it's all one big pile to me. Um, so, but he's got three tablets, and it's, ah, here's the 15 commandments, drops one. Ten commandments is just, like, really, extremely my shit. I think it's just that, like, Mel Brooks knows how to craft a joke. Like, he, he's just yes, for sure. so good at it. And and that's not something that people, like, know how to do anymore. Or they... and and. And it's also not just necessarily joke, it's like gag, right? Because like, that's a written joke, but only works because of the physicality that goes with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's sort of the the mastery of both the form and the function, I feel like. Yeah, he, he knows what, like, you're looking at, like, it, it's, it said religious, or it said biblical times, and then yeah, he talked... The, he hears the voice of God in the burning bush. So the audience is going, oh, it's the Ten Commandments. And he comes out with three tablets. And you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, what? Right. Where right. is this going? It's it's a perfectly set up thing where everyone kind of is doing exactly what you said. Like, what was it? Like, three, three, four? No, that's dumb. And then the, the and then when he drops one, it gets you two jokes, right? Because mm-hmm. you laugh at the drop and then you laugh at the Ten Commandments. Yeah. He, it's just, it's so refreshing because... This movie has a lot of jokes, and they're all crafted well and spaced enough apart that it's there's room to breathe, which is just a thing yes. that people don't write anymore. Like, yeah, it it isn't it isn't machine gunned. You're right. That's a good 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 point. I hadn't thought about that until you just said it. But it's it's a lot of jokes in this movie, but not overwhelming with them. Yeah, you you have time to laugh. It's written like a stage play. Like, there's time for the audience to like yes. the line after the laugh. The the, the line after the joke is not super important in case we step right. on it. Right, right, right. Uh, I honestly think my favorite joke in the whole movie is right here where the, the we're going down the row of the people selling stuff and the one guy's like, columns, columns, put them in front of your hovel and it'll look like a million bucks. And I was like, oh, that guy designed McMansion. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> I was like, every time I drive through Northern Virginia, it's just like columns, 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 columns. Columns that if I, I knocked if on ever... would definitely go thunk, thunk, thunk. Thunk, thunk, thunk. Yeah. I don't know if you ever uh, have seen the blog McMansion Hell, I think is what it was called. I think I've seen that, yeah. It was this incredibly snarky where this, uh, I think she was a design student, would like take pictures of Zillow listings or what have you and then like put notes on top of them making fun of the stuff. And the the columns was one she always hammered. And the other one that I always thought was very funny was like all of these rooms with enormously tall ceilings. And she's like, (laughs) she would just circle the top and be like, where all your wasted heat money goes. (laughs) 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 Which would really crack me up. Um, Because you'd see some of these ones where it's like, yeah, just like inexplicably. It's a a cathedral ceiling. Right, it's got like six cathedral ceiling rooms on the first floor, and you're just like, "What? 
Uh, so yeah, I just I genuinely snort laughed when he was just like stick a column in front of your hovel. I was like, oh my god, it's that. I liked uh, get your sooth said right here. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then another another uh, one, you know, similarly to like how things are just you know different, you know, like Hugh Hefner being famous enough that they just like stuck him in this movie and. Everybody knew exactly who he was and got the joke that he was doing. I mean, to be fair, he does talk about his his only line is I've invented the centerfold, which helps. Yeah, yeah, yes. But he's got it's like he's got the pipe and he's standing there and you're just like everybody. Knows I was a little Honestly, surprised he didn't part, have a red velvet toga. Yeah, I thought that would have been uh, maybe he thought that was too hat on a hat, but I would have liked that as well. Yeah, I mean, like lean bit. in. Yeah. Also, this mo- movie must be earlier in the 80s because he still has black hair. Yeah. And Hefner was not a guy who vanity died. So why would they, you know what I mean? They wouldn't like die for the movie. No, yeah. Although in my head, Hugh Hefner was like Benjamin Button. He was like born 80. <laughs> he, I mean, he was, he, once his hair went gray, l- looked the same, you know, 80 billion years old for like, you know, two decades at the end there. Yeah. Uh, and then, speaking of great cameos, uh, I guess a little slightly more than a cameo, day, day role, I suppose, but uh, the great B. Arthur. And I swear she's wearing her hair from the Star Wars holiday special. It's very distinct. <laughs> it's not impossible. Yeah. It's like a, it's her, it's like sort of an updo with like a, cl- clearly just like a clip-in pony. Yeah. Uh, and she's, she's bringing a lot of like withering, like sigh to her performance, which I like. Seeing this, I was like. Damn, why wasn't she in more of his stuff? Yeah, it does seem like a perfect fit. It is it is unusual to me that uh that because yeah, he works with the same actors all the time. Yeah. Well, cuz as like I just Matt, he and she and Madeline Kahn I feel like would have played really well together. I do wonder if it just was like it was what Golden Girls 85? Yeah, but she was already doing mod. Like she was already famous. No, I yeah, that's true. I'm just saying Golden Girls is like her second successful television show. It's like why bother working beyond that if you don't feel like it? That's true. Actually, maybe third cuz Mod is a spin-off. So she was probably playing Mod in the original show and then spun off yeah. her own. So she kind of frasered yeah, herself. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that was mm-hmm. it or maybe they didn't get along, but uh he, I don't think he mentioned her in the book at all. Hmm. It was a while ago now, and you know, COVID brain. Yeah, right. But she, he, she's running the unemployment office, and uh, it's I. So the only experience with unemployment I had was the when COVID happened, and we all sort of got not laid off. What's when they when you like don't go to work, but you you're not fired, furloughed. I think yeah, we were furloughed, but we still had to do like un, we could get un, collect unemployment because of it. It was like whoever that worked. I didn't commit a crime. If this sounds like I'm wrong, I didn't commit a crime. I like, we all did the thing of, yeah. we couldn't, if you couldn't work, you could collect unemployment. It was like, yeah. he was a, the guy was a gladiator. Did you kill last week? Did you try to kill last week? If you don't kill yeah. this week, we're going to have to change your status. And then. So I was also unemployed for a while and collected unemployment for a while. I got la- uh, laid off when I knew the newspaper I worked at closed in, God, 10 years ago now. Uh, but when I was doing that, you were allowed to like work and earn money, but only a certain amount of money and you couldn't like go over the threshold or you'd get, it was like a huge pain in the ass. Um, but I did have to like prove that I had applied for jobs and I have to show like attempts made to earn money and things like that. So it was definitely not exactly this, but not all that different to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then when he says he's a stand up philosopher, she's like, Oh, a bullshit artist. Did you yeah, bullshit yeah. last week? Did you try to bullshit last week? 
And then she's about to hand him the bag of money and out comes his agent who's like, I got you a job. And she snatches it away. It's delicious. Uh, this is another one that I like that like stuck in my brain. Um, he's like, oh, I was so cl- I, you had to come in now. I was about to get the money. And the guy's like, I got you a job. You're nuts. NVTS nuts. Yes. Delicious. Very funny. Uh, I was reminded of the, I forget where we were, but we were like looking. Oh, it was, we were in Italy and we were talking about typo. We, we imagined typo was the name of the man who made the first mistake and they just dropped him. Yes. Yeah. He just fell to his death. But I was thinking about that with all the the U's as V's. Uh, Gregory Hines gets like three minutes to just kind of do whatever he wants. <laughs> he is. Uh, so I, I was looking at him. I was like, I, he seems so familiar. I don't know him from anything else, but apparently he was the voice of Big Bill on the show Little Bill. Which okay, isn't he also? Uh, he's in the the Muppet movie we covered. He's yes, at the very end, he's in one of the Muppet on movies skates, as a roller skater. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think Manhattan. It's the yeah, I think it's Manhattan and not the Great Muppet. I Kitchen. mean, a roller skater could be in any Muppet movie, and I would be like, yeah, you're right. It's no, if it's Manhattan because it takes place. It's in Central Park. That's that you just reminded. Okay, me. but again. You could tell me there's a roller skater. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) A crew of roller skaters in any Muppet movie. And I'd be like, that's sure. It checks out. Um, He's one of the world's like most uh, esteemed tap dancers, which tracks with seeing him dance because he does the classic sand thing. Yeah. Is that is that typical for tap? So it's not typical for tap. It was for it was a comment. It was like a classic thing in sort of like movies and and like. I'm just going to like busk and do a little tap. If you don't have like if it's just wood, it's kind of, it can be hard to get like, you know, to flow with it and like move. Yeah. So yeah. If you sprinkle some sand, you can get like um you get a little less friction. Makes sense. Um also, Hava Nagila sure, sure. always kind of slaps. Like <laughs> it, it's a great tune. It's 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 a re- it's always I'm always like, "Oh yeah, no, this is like makes me makes, makes me dance along." Yeah, absolutely. Always always a winner. Uh and then every time I hear it, my brain is like, yeah, it's Nagila Hava. Nope. <laughs> the opposite of that. But the the lyrics kind of go that way. Uh, we get we so he gives like a nice uh, tap bit. He's doing some comedy here. It's a, it's like basically like, all right, this guy's here's your type five. Movie, so let's showcase him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, show me what you got, kid. So he does all of his uh, literal song and dance bits here. And. Uh, we get to a guy who seems to be literally beating a dead horse, although we see that the horse is not dead yes. momentarily. And we get and introduced to our leading lady. That's right. She's here to look pretty and not much else. <laughs> yeah, she gets extremely little to do in this movie, like most of the ladies. Well, B. Arthur, I guess, and Madeline Kahn get a little bit to do. Um, but uh, Gregory Hines saves them from getting attacked by the guy with the whip after Mel punches him out. And then Madeline Kahn, speaking of, rolls into the scene. And With she the gets best opening by. line. Like, the, <laughs> this is the best entrance line you could poss- possibly imagine. Because she's being carried by the men in that, like, very, like, old, like, classic Greek style. Or, like, my super sweet 16 crazy people. You're being carried <laughs> by, by men. <laughs> you know, the classic my sweet 16. You knew exactly what I was talking about. I, I wasn't saying you're wrong. I was just laughing. And she goes, stop, stop. Can we all step on the same foot at the same time? My tits are falling off. 
It's such a it's such a delightfully specific joke that everyone can immediately understand what she's talking about. Like you can understand completely what that was must feel like, like riding in a car with shitty suspension. She like she's dressed like a Greek empress, but she talks like the nanny and is chewing gum in every scene. So it's this really great like high low balance. Yes. Also, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, so they like she comes in and uh, our lead basically begs her to, you know, spare them from dying. And she says, OK. And then we see uh, or this might have happened right before. But we see Mel Brooks's character help the horse up and like move it a little bit. No. And I don't know if you caught it, but uh, Mel's stunt double when he's like interacting with the horse is like a foot taller than Mel Brooks. I didn't catch this. <laughs> is it like a it wide or is it a close up? Yeah, it's a it's a wide and and kind of almost it might even be a crane shot like it's pretty high up, but it's like Mel Brooks is what five, I think three, I saw someone you know? standing next to the horse, but my brain was like, that's not Mel Brooks. I didn't realize yeah. it was supposed to be Mel he, Brooks. It's it's supposed to be Mel Brooks like helping the horse up, hmm. so to, so to speak, and it's clearly the horse trainer, and the horse trainer looks like a strapping young lad. I mean, you got to be to to be with horses. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Mel Brooks is you know five three and one hundred and twenty five pounds, maybe. Yeah, because so when you like, I had a friend who um like worked with horses in college, and she was also a marine, so she was like a very strong person, and so yeah. we it would occasionally like have to be like people pat to her, like if she patted you on the back, she might either marine <laughs> pat you or horse pat you, and you had to be like people pat, people pat. <laughs> That's very good. Because horses are like they have they're very muscular. I, I'm not a rump. Yeah. The, like when people like pat a horse on the back, like you have to really slap yeah. it because they don't feel it because yeah. they're so muscular. Right, right. <laughs> people pat. People pat. And then Madeline gets another great line. Do I have any openings that this man might fit? <laughs> yeah. Her in, in all of her Mel Brooks action, she is just like the double entendre queen. She, it's yeah, it's like her Dolly and Elvira were like would have a, yeah. a good volley. Yeah, Cloris Leachman gets a good handful of them as well. Oh, she does. Yeah. Uh, so, so we go back to the palace with Madeline Kahn and uh, Dom DeLuise, who's a guy I could usually take or leave. I think is actually pretty perfect here. It, he's well and, cast in this. Yeah, yeah, it, and it uses this uses him to his strengths really well. But what I couldn't stop thinking of watching this, and I swear I don't mean this to be an insult, uh, Josh Gad has a little Deloise, I feel, of like the the ability to lean into the silliness and like come to play in something like this. And then I saw he was part of the the new show, and I was like, honestly, that makes perfect sense. And I bet he gets some of the like big hmm. stuff that Deloise used to do for. Him. I never would have picked Gad for that. But because I feel like it's Dom DeLuise feels more like old Jonah Hill energy. I don't think he looks I don't think Josh Gad looks. No, like no. Him. But I, I think in terms like of like some a, of the physical I, comedy. Gadget. I think Jonah Hill has is was like bigger energy. OK. And I don't think Josh Gad does physically big. En- he's vocally can do a lot, but I don't think I've ever seen him like physically do a lot. Oh, I think he I think he I, I mean. I think he does do that in other stuff that maybe you just haven't seen, but I, I do think he is capable of like the big physical bit. I'm, I'm sure I, have, I haven't yeah. seen it. 
I'm just, I would bet that in this new thing that Gad is in the History of the World Part 2 that comes out uh, today, I suppose, uh, I would bet we get some DeLuise-esque physicality. My brain also sometimes, when I picture Josh Gad, pictures Harvey Guillain first from what we do in the shadows. Ah. And I actually like, no, 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 not him. The other one. Not him. No, no. Uh, DeLuise is on the Hedonism Bot couch. Yes, he is. And, and he eats grapes, which is like a double double whammy of delight. I also love how like just most of the lead Roman people are gay because it was yes. a very gay place. Yeah, I actually, it's very interesting. I just saw, I just read a, I think it was a tweet thread and not a blog post, but uh, someone who was like talking about, uh, it was somebody responding to some insane thing some younger person, I think, said about like sexuality in movies and how it weirds them out. Uh, these kids are fucking Puritans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they are. But uh, this person was talking about how like, taking sexuality of films is part of the like part of the directive of the Hayes code. And part of that meant like erasing representation. And they had this incredible clip from Spartacus shit. No, no, it's, it's uh Spartacus is post. Well, I guess postcode. I guess that's, but no, this is from, this is like a cat. I think it's a Cagney movie, like a, um, like a gangster movie. And he's playing, I keep wanting to say Buster Keaton, but that's Bugsy not Malone. Uh, Yes, yes, thank you. He's playing a gangster like a Bugsy Malone. It may actually be the film Bugsy Malone, but he's getting fitted for his suit and he keeps being like, I need extra space in here. And he's holding his waistband like, aka, this is where I keep my gun. Mm-hmm. And the ta- the tailor is like exactly these dudes. He's like very obviously gay, like a little bit uh, flouncy, you know, swishy in his yeah. language. Yeah, swishy. Uh, but he's he's like, a, he's what he's what a bad stereotype character gay person would be in an 80s movie but it very clearly is just like this is this is the what this person's life is basically uh, obviously it's a movie not a documentary but it was kind of incredible and then i was watching this and all i could think of was it's like oh these guys are doing the same sort of swish that 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 uh, taylor was doing and then bugsy malone or whatever that clip was yeah uh, we do some nice game tro intros for the uh, the spoils of war here. Yeah, he first reveals the golden bath, and <laughs> Louise is like, "Nice, nice, not thrilling, but nice." And they're like, "And behind this is the treasure." And they you know pull the curtain open and play the big pretty women surrounded by like holding treasure. Uh-huh. And I've just had like a click moment in my head that I feel like because I grew up with Seinfeld and um history of the world that i like my form of comedy was let like new york jewish comedy sure and so i think that's why people like my director in high school thought i was jewish yeah i was like no yeah he he said it once and i was like what are you talking about and he was like well you're jewish and i was like no i'm not and he was like (laughs) what and i was like no i'm 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 not jewish i you just cast me as jewish people a lot but i'm not jewish and he was like oh no shit (laughs) and i was like it was my senior year when he said this it had been That's four hilarious. years of him just assuming That's I was really Jewish. Funny. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. That's very funny. Like the comedic sensibility is very particular from uh, New York Jewish comedy of the you seventies, know, eighties, nineties. I suppose. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Mel starts to do his stand-up, and he. Well, tells we also get hey say was... when eight thirty. Oh, Madeline yes, asks true, for right? wine, and Josie, I keep Josephus. Do you want to commit Josephus, 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 Josephus. It's Josephus. It's Josephus. Yeah. And he pours her wine and he goes, say when? And she goes, 830. Yeah. Fantastic. And Heinz doesn't quite know what to do with it at first. It's a pot. Kind of it smirks to himself. What is it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but so I've been, I've decided that my, uh, my big film project for 2023 slash me turning 36, uh, is I'm going to complete the Spielberg catalog. So I, there's a bunch of stuff of his that I haven't watched. Um, you've started that, right? And so Are you like, that's, you've started that journey of let me catch up on Spielberg's that I've missed. Didn't you? Yeah, I just, I was just saying this, that's my like 2023 slash, you know, I just turned 36 thing. So I've been watching some Spielberg stuff. Um, and I was watching an episode, he directed a couple episodes or segments, excuse me, on episodes of Night Gallery, which was Rod Serling's show post Twilight. Oh, we, we talked about this because so, he had uh, Joan Crawford on there. Right. So I, he directed another one of those. And in that one, it's a man who's a bad failing stand up comic who meets uh, is this the Joan Crawford episode or the other bar no a different one different one uh so he's a failed stand-up comic and he meets this guy in a bar who promises to give him miracles but he warns him that it's like a monkey's paw situation like it's not exactly what you want when I do it so if I do it for you it might not be what you want and he's like no 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 I don't care I'm desperate I want to be the funniest man in the world or something akin to that and and from that point forward, every time he speaks, people just like guffaw with laughter. He like takes his hat off and people lose their shit. Like he it's it has become meaningless to him because it takes no work and everything is just given to him. Oh, my head. As soon as you said I want to be the, the funniest person in the world, my my brain went. Nobody knows what comedy is. You're hilarious, oh, no. but nobody knows what yeah. a joke is. So they're like, what are you talking about? No, they just laugh at everything he does and he starts to get all the success, but they show him on stage and he does this exact joke that Mel Brooks does, which is how do you make a Venetian blind and then it's poke him in the eye. <laughs> it feels like, like a classic vaudeville kind of joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a Catskills, New York-y, whatever, but it's like the night gallery. It's old in the night gallery joke in the bit. And it's, you know, it's supposed to be 19, it's like 1965, seven, eight, somewhere in there. Um, and so I was cracking up with the idea of like, the joke was fresh in Roman times. <laughs> <laughs> was very good to me. Also, Mel Brooks, obviously it's a movie and everyone's acting, but like Mel Brooks just knows how to command a room. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just a supremely talented guy. And this is like intentionally hacky stand-up but it still is a well-performed bunch of hacky stand-up it reminds me it's like what we talked about um john candy yeah exactly and he and again going back to how he knows how to write like a visual punchline he's trying like he he makes one wrong joke about like the how the emperor is corrupt and he's trying to like pivot yeah. and he ends up saying no one wants to look like a big fat pig and we cut to dom deloise yeah. Next to a roasted pig with an apple in its mouth, and he's looking at it with an apple in his mouth, and he just like turns to look at the camera, and it's the perfect setup. Absolutely. And then double points here for Deloise giving the lines with the apple in the mouth, being like, <laughs> it's yeah. Just, it's it's perfect. It's perfect. And like I said, I'm I wouldn't call myself a Dom Deloise hater, but I don't have a lot of love for him. But he's perfect here. It's like really the best use of him I've ever seen. I think so. And so all the guards come in, and I, I always love when characters sort of like, I don't know how to describe it, but they all come in and they put their swords at him, and Mel Brooks goes, he picks up one of their swords, and he starts picking at his nails with it, and he goes, when you die yes. at the palace, you really die at the palace. And I, yeah. I, I can't describe what, but like, I love when characters do shit like that. Right. It's a little bit meta, but not quite the like- It's so, it's, it's, it's touching the wall of meta without going through yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the sentences that Mel and Gregory Hines have to have to fight to the death. So they have the classic t 
two gladiatorial options, one sword and shield, two trident net. Yeah, it's so funny to me. Yeah. At least in the Hunger Games, it's always they, those they logic it out that like the, the trident and net people were like, oh, we, we come from the fishing district or whatever. Right. It made right, sense. They like right. logic it that way. But like, really? And a, a trident and a net? Yeah, and it's like, oh, here, fight this lion with a net and a trident. You're like, I mean, I guess you could maybe hope to sort of get the lion all tangled up and get a couple quick stab, lan- you, know, yeah. you know, spear lancing type blows in there. But boy, that seems challenging. So he can't kill Jose- Josephus, and he they, he's like, well, we'll escape together. And so they, they fight their way out. And so we uh, cut to the Vestal Virgins of Madeline Khan, whose name is Empress Nympho, by the way. We didn't say that. Yeah, we did. We did. We didn't neglect to mention the most on-the-nose joke of the film. Um, and she has to select her escort for the orgy, and so all these bottomless Roman sol- centurions it's come so in. So fucking good. Like this, like from tip to a tail. Double time, a double time march, and it's like the genius of this is like you can't see the front, like it's not a full frontal duty, yeah. but you can imagine what it would look like based on how aggressively they're march stepping. It's very good. This whole sequence from start to finish is just like perfectly crafted. Cause she's, they all march in and they turn and we see a wall of butts and she just goes, very nice selection. <laughs> yes. And she's delighted to be on this side of this. And she, uh, she sings her way down the line, which is again a thing that I've I've done as I'm if, like searching for something on a shelf. She goes, yeah. no, 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 yes, no, yes, yes, no, 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 yes." So good. And then when they turn to leave, uh, they do their their double time march, and we cut to Madeline and her like handmaiden or whatever, and their heads are just like up and down, following the men out of the room. Like the like the same gag somebody would use to wa- have somebody watching tennis, but like, up and down to right, and instead up and down. Yeah, yeah. Madeline Kahn plays this scene perfectly. She she just gets comedy. Um. So when the guards come in to try and find Josephus and Comicus, who's Mel Brooks' character, um, <laughs> Madeline Kahn has her virgins put on the "Do Not Enter" signs, which would like yes <laughs> the the road sign "Do Not Enter." Yes, and it clips to their chastity-looking belts, just, like, slowly dangles down the front. Very good. And uh, <laughs> Josephus is the skinniest of the men there with the fan, and he's hiding among the eunuchs. And she's like, give him a break, he was just snipped. <laughs> yeah, and so they're like, all right, well, we gotta check, so... Uh, the erotic dance test. See if you can handle this, and we have this woman sort of dance up on... I, I am shocked she's not thing. more scantily clad. Agreed. Or topless, frankly. Yeah, because I think Um, this is an R-rated movie. Yeah, it is. Uh, But what was really funny to me is, like, I feel like the butt is the center of the the sexy woman universe in modern television and movies. Or cleavage. Well, so I'm saying there's a greater butt. Now there's maybe you can get both, but there's this movie is, like, all cleavage and breasts. And she's, like, you know, shaking her breasts at them and stuff. And I feel like if this was... If you shot this scene now, it would be butt to to crotch, shaking, gyrating. Yeah, probably. Maybe some side boob. Yeah, but she's like just shaking at him, you know, chest first. And I just, it was just one of those funny things of like how that stuff slowly shifts in culture. And she gets to him. The f- the first three eunuchs pass the test, and then we get the great one. He's holding a feather fan yeah. downwards, and just one feather pops right up. 
Yeah, it's pretty perfectly done, this little gag. It's like everybody knows what the gag is going to be. Yeah. It's just a matter of what it's going to look like. And they chose the probably the funniest version of it, I feel. So he is, he runs away. Our leading lady and uh, Mel Brooks. Oh, also, there's a really gross tongue oh, I, gag it, in that. I, it's they, funny, but I hate it. <laughs> it's like she starts dancing on the first guy and Gregory Hines does like, a, what was that wolf? The cartoon wolf. Oh, it's uh, Tex, I mean, it's, Tex Avery was the was the our yeah, animator yeah, yeah. he does like a yeah he does a tex avery wolf and this like long fake tongue rolls out of his mouth but it's so gross looking it's very gross um so they uh the, she goes oh they're he, they're gonna go to this they're going past the senate we can meet we can meet him there and right, um right, right. as they're waiting for the senate we hear them like talking about this should we so good yeah. should we build more mansions for the rich or build affordable housing for the poor and all of the senate goes fuck the poor <laughs> like what say you fuck the poor i'm like oh it's what our senate says too yeah not much has changed uh and then we get a line that's i don't know perhaps the most repeated joke in all of comedy but one that i still will smirk at which is the walk this way I, and it's good some very when you do it well affectation it's good yeah yeah i also like the wrist hourglass they yeah. just strapped oh, they an hourglass to his wrist grains ago. 30 grains ago he taps the he's tapping on the middle and like holding it to his ear yeah yeah <clears throat> but i think i think he does walk this way in young frankenstein too i don't think it's in Spaceballs. I think that's right. There might be one in Men in Tights now that I'm thinking about it. That tracks. Yeah. But it's, it's if you do it well, it's a great joke. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you notice that? Um, so as they're um, getting in disguise, the poster behind them is for the play The Trojan Horse. And one of the reviews yes. says, filled with soldiers and laughter. I did. I did. I thought that poster was delightful. Uh, we have a weird... ADR right after here, which is uh, the line that's ADR is get the flunk out of there. But which should have been the line the whole time. It's absolutely it's funnier, but it's like why did you ADR ADR out the f bomb? I couldn't figure that out. I don't know. I, I maybe he realized. I guess the, maybe they want to put the joke in. Yeah, maybe he realized that it's better. It's a stronger joke that way. Which is this is where you know you flunked flank. Get the flunk out of here. Yeah, yeah. But I just found it wild that they replaced the, the audio it, it, so obviously. I also love this next bit where they're they're all like Scooby-Dooing out of a doorway. And yeah. they're like, how are we going to get out of here? The street is crawling with soldiers. And then we cut to the street and they're all literally like army crawling through the streets. Yes. Yeah. The, he's he's sort of the master of the cutaway gag, which, you know, other people have imitated. Oh, often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah, exactly. Only a miracle can save them. The horse they saved earlier named Miracle appears. Yes. Yeah. And then I really love, we mentioned this earlier, but they like steal some props from this Trojan horse play in order to sort of blend in. And I was looking, I'm like, man, Mel's horse and shield or sword and shield look so fake and cheap. And then they pay that off by they are fake and cheap. They're props. They're and they styrofoam. And get destroyed. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was really actually quite clever. I didn't, I, I, I the movie, I got ahead of the movie, but I actually didn't. Yeah. So they start to escape uh, as they're gain, as they're, you know, getting away. They're like, well, we can't, they're going to catch up to us. And then Josephus sees a field of, of pot. Yeah. And he's like, hang on. And then I was like, oh, they, so this movie does share a common prop with a, one of the scary movies. And that's a giant joint. <laughs> giant joint. Love a giant joint. 
will never be sad to see a giant joint. So funny. And so he <laughs> just like lights it and like waves it behind them so that all the smoke he the, he hotboxes the the, <laughs> the 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 Romans behind them. But the rolling part is my favorite where he's like I need some rolling papers. Rolling and papyrus. They give him like a Rolling papyrus, yes. And they give him a big scroll, and then they have Gregory Hines, like, frantically pumping the fake weed into it, and then pretending to lick it. He doesn't even come within six inches of the paper. Oh, God, no. And then the next shot, it's, like, perfectly rolled. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he hotboxes them. I will say, for a guy I assume has smoked some weed in Nell Brooks, and perhaps Gregory Hines and other people who worked on this film... It is yet another movie where they do not understand at all what it is like to be around stone people. The first, uh, the first time, it's 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 right. They're like all just slow down. The one guy's like, "I'm just gonna walk in a circle." Yeah, and I was like, "This yeah. this feels the right speed." And then two yes. seconds later, they like start doing swing dance, and I was like, "Well, that's yeah, not yeah." It's a lot of energy for he, people smoking yeah. a pot. It's possible he was like referencing reefer madness, I guess, but it's that's all a very strange. deep cut. Yes, it is. Uh, so we get, I wrote, this is such a theme park effect. And then I found out it yeah. is in the universal yeah, this is, theme park. I was gonna, <laughs> this is literally from the universal tram tour. So does the tram go through it or does it just go by uh-huh. it? No, it goes through it. Or at least it used to. I don't know if it still does. I've never ridden it, but the, the bit was like, oh no, there's nowhere to go. And then the thing would part and they would. Huh. Well, because there was so much water left on the bottom. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I, I think the tram drives over like a couple inches of water at the bottom. Hmm. And then, of course, the punchline is Moses wasn't parting the Red Sea. He was being held up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we cut drastic, uh, you know, like it sort of abruptly cuts from this to this Last Supper gag. Yeah. Uh, they, they they escape Rome and they find a, a, a restaurant hiring. And it's just really clever writing on Mel Brooks that he is the server at the Last Supper. And also, like, yes. everyone who's been a server has been a server. It like has had to walk up to a clearly awkward conversation to be like, you doing okay? How about some appetizers? Are we uh, enjoying our jalapeno poppers over here? Ah, finger guns. How's that spicy guns. margarita? Cool. My trick was always... Or, or or hot, I guess, as it were. <laughs> it might be hot, that margarita. My trick was always wait till they have food in their mouth and walk over with your thumbs up and say, is everything good? Because then they can just put their thumb up and I go... Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah, it's always right after you've taken a huge bite, like a comically large, mm-hmm. cartoony bite that someone asks you how your food is. Ex- well, we do it on purpose because then you can't say, if your mouth is full, it's right. harder to be like, can I get mayo or whatever. But so right, I, right. my my like workaround of being like, I'm not doing it that way is hold my thumb yeah. up so you can give me a thumbs up so I can go pretend to wipe. I can use my my ta- my magic ever moving towel to pretend to wipe down a wall. <laughs> yeah, jokes on you, pal. I know how to put up my index finger instead of my thumb and say, "Carve mail, please, <laughs> please, please, something to lubricate this very dry chicken sandwich." <laughs> All of the moisture in my mouth has gone to this stale bread you've wrapped around <laughs> this grilled chicken that seems to have been grilled eight years ago. The plate is so hot. <laughs> uh, John Hurt plays Jesus. By the way, I don't know if you caught that. Oh, I did. I, I knew he was in the movie, but I didn't catch that that was him. Uh, and I do love the like, oh, that we're painting the Last Supper, <laughs> so everybody get to the one side of the table. Because I have always thought this about this painting, is it seems like an insane way to eat. Yeah, it's definitely crazy that they're all on the same side of the table. But I also yeah. love the bit that <laughs> 12, 13 people on one side of a table is ludicrous. When Jesus goes, one of you has already betrayed me. 
And then Mel Brooks goes, Judas, did you want a drink order? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever gone out with people and been like, oh, there's no table. I guess we'll just take these four seats at the bar. And then person one and four are just, it's impossible to converse with each other. Yeah, one, two, and three are kind of fine. And two, three, and four are kind of fine. But uh-huh. like, you can't do yeah. much. The, the maximum number of people that can sit at a bar together is three, unless you get a corner. If you get a corner, oh, you can do you're golden if you're in a corner. Yeah, or two and three even. Uh, so we got to the Spanish Inquisition, which I feel like is the other idea he had for a sketch and just didn't know what to do with it. Well, I just like, I love that he pitched a Busby Berkeley, Esther Williams musical yes. number about the Spanish Inquisition <laughs> that's right. essentially just going to be filmed like a stage play. It's just filmed like right. a proscenium. Today, that wouldn't have made it past storyboards. Like, it would have made it two storyboards. They would have been like, nope, nope, we're not spending. Yeah. The set cost a million dollars for that alone. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's what, 35 swimming dancers? Mm -hmm. Dancing swimmers? Maybe more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Allegedly, this was, um, uh, who was the the gross director with the long nails and the pee jars? Howard Hughes. Yes. Apparently, this was his personal pool. Oh, interesting. That's probably in the book. Um, I I actually wrote down as like, I kind of love that he snuck in a Busby Berkeley musical number, even if I don't really like this bit. I'm like glad for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I, w- I don't need a whole movie of this, but I'm glad this is no. in this movie. I can I remember the I don't remember when the the act the figures actually rotated on the great movie ride, but they used to rotate <laughs> at one point. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have some fondness for the Busby Berkeley style swimming musical number. I also like the bit uh you can't so his name the the name of the guy behind the Spanish Inquisition was Torquemada, which if you speak if you talk like you're from the Bronx, it's Torquemada. And the joke is you can't talk about anything. Yeah. There was a- yeah, and I love that it's like we it's like the, the, it's like oh no, we'll bring in the nuns and then they become they like the bathing costumed swimmers. Mhm. There's also a bit then, where the monks, he, there's four monks that like get on the a staircase in front of him and like they pull up mm-hmm. their robe and they're doing like very like traditionally feminine, like leggy leg work. Mm-hmm. They should have been like a can-can. Not quite a can-can, but like doing the, the dramatic leg cross and all that. They should have been wearing silver like character shoes, like rhinestone mm-hmm. silver, like yeah. I'm a rocket character shoe just mm-hmm, for this bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or do the thing where... You have four like big burly dudes. They pull up the thing. You switch to a close up, and it's act- it's like man hands holding the skirts up, but clearly women's legs. Oh, I love that. Or you could just—I'm sure you could build the set that way and have them, mm-hmm. or just have them sit. Right, right. Yeah, I like that. But just have like like you know the, the switch it out for being uh, actual dancer legs. I also forgot about the slot machine gag. It's so yeah, funny. That one that is my favorite of the things actually. The, like, torture rack spinning re- mm-hmm. reels of a slot machine. And then it ends with a big <laughs> menorah of dancers. So, apparently, what I learned is that the the menorah used for Hanukkah is a menorah. It's like a square rectangle situation. Mm. So, not all menorahs are, like, Hanukkah. There's a name for it. But are Hanukkah menorahs. Because a okay. Hanukkah menorah has... Um, I think it has nine. It's got eight candles and a middle candle. Right. This one does only have seven. You're you're right. So this menorah represents the days of the week, I guess. Oh, right, right, right. Um, okay. I don't know too much about Judaism, but I learned that little little bit that it is. This is still technically a menorah. It's just not the Hanukkah menorah. Also, I apologize I that my voice okay. is starting to go out. Everybody, it's 
Bear with me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this episode's going to be a little short because we're trying to get through it because Andrew's voice is maybe not going to make it 90 minutes. Yeah, it's it's super fun that my job is also to speak on the phone all day. Yeah, I did feel very bad for you as we were sitting down to do this, to be clear. I didn't say those words out loud. <laughs> it's I fine. I, I, it's just during my work day, I pause and take myself off the phones for a few minutes to get my voice right. back. <laughs> I can't really do that on this. Um. So we go to Paris and we see Cloris Leachman, who has quite a mole. First, we have nothing. We go again. We have things for sale, and one guy just goes, "Nothing. I've got nothing for sale." <laughs> yeah, I was. It was pretty good. But yes, Cloris Leachman plays Madame Defarge from Tale of Two Cities. Oh right, right, right. Because she's in the uh, book, she's knitting the names of the traitors. Mm, and I'm guessing okay. lost on me entirely. Yeah, I- I'm guessing that. Um, you don't have to smirk quite so hard when I say Lost Totally on Me. I, the only reason yeah. I knew that is because I saw a play of Tale of Two Cities. I would never remember that from, like, the reading. <laughs> You're over here like, oh, well, in the original Dickensian version of it. Is it? That I Who read, Tale of you know, Cities? several times. Hmm? Who did write Tale oh, of Two Cities? Dickens. Is it Dickens? I'm, like, 99.9%. That just seems wrong I feel much me. better. <laughs> I don't, it, I, it sounds too... It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Um, I'm guessing that it was a both continuity issue and uh, it's funnier this way that they were like, you're going to knit with no yarn. Yeah, yeah. She's just clacking the needle. Just, together. yeah, just a click, clack, click, clack. Uh, speaking of collaborate, longtime collaborators with Mel Brooks, in comes uh, Harvey Corman as Count de Money. Oh, we also get the repeat after me, which is similar to the walk this way gag. Yes. Yeah. Although I will say they don't do the thing. I th- They don't all just repeat what she says. There's like one thing they don't say. They do it. I so they all redo the cough. And then she says, not that. So I think. Yeah. I th- and I thought th- they should have done not that. I also love that she says, let's end this meeting on a high note and then just sing something. Which is like, I was like, I'm stealing that for when I host events. I honestly thought that that was something worth holding on to and pulling out at the right time at the right meeting with the right people. Yes. I, I was like, this is, I'm, I'm putting that in the back pocket for when I host events. Yeah, exactly. I love that Count, Count de Monet's, uh, they roll out the red carpet and they just roll it over the poor people. And he takes special care to stomp on stomp them. Stomp and stab. Away. Yeah. So they're doing some battle chess, which I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then it gets... To be a bizarre rape joke that I didn't super love. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of James Bond world. Everybody wants to fuck the king. So. Right, right. It was just like not what I I was expecting someone to get stabbed, not this. So I was. In Monty Python, "Ah." they would have gotten stabbed. Yeah, yeah. Or in Harry Potter. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Wizard's chest. Yeah. Uh, so this is the other joke that I thought that I like. This is the other joke that I knew was in this movie, but I had it's good to be no, the king. No, uh, the piss boy thing. Oh, piss boy, yeah. Uh, which I like knew was in this movie because I've heard people make that reference, you know, endlessly. I feel like that's also a dad line. Yeah, for sure. He he has also made that line, but uh, made that joke rather. But I've I've heard other people. I remember during. The run up to Live Eight in Philadelphia, which was the the big concert at the um, on the Ben Franklin Parkway mm-hmm. where they had it at the art museum, there was like a bunch of jokes on Preston and Steve, the morning show I used to listen to at the place where I worked. That it was like, <laughs> you know, someone's gonna make a lot of money just carting around a couple of Home Depot buckets for people to piss in because there's not gonna want to be able to leave their spot at all. So just be like, that would have been actually boy. brilliant. 
Yeah, yeah. It's just like, give this guy five bucks and he'll let you pee in the bucket and then he t- carries it out and dumps it somewhere. Uh, but I, I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. Like, it's interesting to see Mel give himself both the high status character and the low status character. And then it, of course, leads to like, oh, no, no, they're doing a Prince and the Pauper situation mm-hmm. with this poor man. Uh, uh, hum- Humber Death is the other thing I remember. Of, like, it's good to be the king is very funny. But um, when uh, Madame Rambo is trying to save her father's life because he said the poor ain't so bad. Um he goes such a good like why is your father in prison well once he said the poor ain't so bad so oh he's lucky you're lucky he's, he's alive and kill him yeah he goes <laughs> he's like oh if you put out i'll i'll save his life hump a death hump a death <laughs> yeah ticking down i'll give you 10 seconds i also uh so so she's like you know she was willing to debase herself to get her dad out so he says that he'll do that for her and then count de money is explaining to him that, he's skeet you know, shooting with peasants Yes, this is probably the, like, I said that already, but perhaps my favorite visual gag of it is like, pull! And then the first guy gets winged but doesn't go down, and the second guy drops like a stone just after he gets hit. I wish, the only thing is that they're dummies. I wish they had just used trampolines. Oh, Like, use a giant trampoline and just show them, like, in the air. Yeah, yeah, and shoot it at the right angle, it would look like that. Yeah, Yeah, that's that would be funnier. But also, launching dummies to shoot them is kind of funny. yeah, yeah. Um, we get a very, very good bit with this woman who has grapes, like, woven into her hair for <laughs> Mel Brooks's king to eat. Uh, though it's good to be the king comes back in, uh, Men in Tights. Yes, it does. It, cause it's... Yeah, okay. Although he's technically the prince. Mel Brooks is? No, no, um, I don't know who Mel Brooks is in that movie. Um, but technically it's Prince John. He, the whole point is that it's a prince I in thought, charge. I thought Mel... Brooks comes back at the end and is the king. It's probably that. And then he does the, it's good to be the king. Yeah. Because in the Disney version, it's the handsome lion who comes back. Right. Uh, Harvey Corman at this point fucks up. He keeps correcting people. Count de Monet. Count de Monet. And then here, when he says his own name, he says, I'm Count de Money. He's a, yeah. Did you also notice that his, his friend, his uh, little but foppish buddy Bernays is getting blown by another guy behind the rook? Yeah. 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 Also, I love that Mel Brooks is just like out of French words. And so he's like, I like steak Bernays. Let's call this guy Bernays. Don't get saucy with me, Bernays. Yeah. Uh, I, I I, I was so delighted by Corman's role. He's not in the movie for a ton, but he's... He's just such a great oafish bad guy. Like he's just perfect at that. Yeah, it's and I mean it's it's down to the name correction. It's like what he did for uh, Blazing Saddles. Right, right. I know this is basically the same bit over again from that movie which is, you know, a few years younger than this one or a few years, a few years before this one. Jesus H. Uh but I, he's just very good at this. It's just like, yeah, why not bring him back to do the same bit? It was funny the first time. Yeah. So they dress up the piss boy as the king because they know the revolution is coming. So they figure if they hide the king, they'll kill the piss boy instead. Right, right. And like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's bring him over here. And they, they put the makeup on and the wig on. They draw on the beauty mark. And this is when Mademoiselle Rambeau shows up to give herself in exchange for her father's freedom. Count de Monet tries to do it and ends up f- flipping over the balcony. Yes uh like really good and the other one that's great with demone is like he tries to lean in and kiss her and she steps out of it and he bangs his teeth on a statue which i think also happens to um uh hedley lamar yes i think you're right yeah or hedy no it is hedley it is hedley <laughs> he's hedley yes Hedy. I, I was like hang on person. which one was the real person <laughs> yeah 
Uh, there's a great thing after, so the king comes in, this woman's throwing herself at, at him again, and he's like, no, 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 like, let's look for a letter, and he starts digging Let's look for a desk, pardon. It's like, yeah, it's like, execution, 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 execution. Oh, I should look in a different drawer. It's, oh, there's one left. I think, I, uh, I was like, the other, the flip side of that could have been that he, because he never uses pardons, it's like a full stack of them. Yeah. And like, yeah. there's only two executions left. Yeah, yeah. That would have been good. But then he ends up like trying to run away and the hallway is, is fake and painted and they, they're like, wait a minute. I love that. that they expose yeah. the uh, forced perspective. Yeah. So he p- pardons her father who, like, is this supposed to be Birdman of Alcatraz? I don't. No, it's, I mean, I guess it could be a reference to that, but that's like pretty bizarre. I don't know what the deal is. I think he just does it because they want to make the cat eat the bird joke. Yeah, but it's a bit like he's like throwing dead birds out the window. Yeah, yeah. So the the, the people go to him. They they're gonna behead him. He's trying to stall. I'll wait. There are there are so many extras in this scene. Like even allowing for in the wide shot that probably a third of it could be mannequins, and then just have people in the the closer foreground yeah. shots. So many extras. A I was lot. blown away. So they have the 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 uh, the guillotine, and they show it. Is it a cabbage or a watermelon? I thought it was like a honeydew, but I don't know. So it's a, it's a, it's a melon of some. Type? I think it's a melon. Okay, so they uh, they they chop this melon in half, and it goes everywhere. And Mel starts stalling for time, and he's like trying to figure out how to get out of this. Which, of course, there really isn't only a miracle can save him. And then, you know, sure enough, <laughs> here comes Gregory Hines <laughs> and Miracle the Horse of the Deus Ex Horsena, and he's like. What? What are you? Wait, how are you here? And he's like, movies is magic. Which I love. Like, just, sure, hand wave, whatever yeah. bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all silly nonsense. So who cares? But they uh, they hop in the cart and they go, you know, scurrying away. And there's a. I don't know if this is an ad lib, but it definitely kind of feels like one. So the it's four people in the cart. The front two are uh, Mel Brooks and Gregory Hines, and then uh, the uh, the actress who is throwing herself at him is right behind with her dad, and Mel uh, leans over and kisses Gregory Hines instead. Well, he says, for, "We better kiss the uh, <clears throat> we better kiss." That's the ending coming up. Yeah, and he kisses Gregory Hines, and Gregory Hines has such a genuine laugh on his face that it makes I me think that of... like this might have been a, a uh, ad lib. I thought earlier there might have been because when Madeline Kahn walks in a room, she has like rose petal girls, and she genuinely kind of like slips on one. And she goes, "Enough of that oh, shit!" Yeah, yeah. I almost fell. Yeah, yeah. and I was yeah. like, I wonder if that was real. Yeah, it certainly could have been. Like that, that would be a great in character ad lib that doesn't really change the scene, but just you know fixes a problem. Yeah, and he goes, "That's a big ending." Yeah, I wanted it to say the end in huge letters. Doesn't it? Or does it say big ending? It says History yeah, of the World Part just, 1, the end, I thought. I just saw the title. Yeah, I just, I, I wanted it to be like a literal physical rock that just was like the end. And that, you know, like a... Uh, I, I didn't mind that it said the title and the end. Yeah. So we go to the ending of the movie and it's like, oh, just kidding. Here's three more little bits little that vignettes. are going to be in our next one. So we have Hitler on ice. Pretty self-explanatory. Do you think any of these are going to be in the remake? Like, I feel like you have to. I was, I was thinking that you have to get one of these in there, right? Yeah. Um, the only two that would make any sense would be Hitler on Ice or the Viking Funeral, which I like the gag of like they're in the classic Viking horn helmets, and when they, t- and then they, it's just the cap they take off, and they all have horns. <laughs> they have horns. Um, and then Jews in Space, which is just like Jewish Star Wars. Yeah, he basically, basically. did that with Spaceballs, but it's still funny. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was surprised they didn't do this exact bit in Spaceballs. Yeah, right? Or like use it, or they they never had like a menorah that was a laser blaster. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, having the uh Star of David shaped ships I thought was pretty funny. Well, now the you could do like there are six triangle ships that come together to form the Star of David ship. Like a like, oh, a, like yeah, a Power Ranger situation. Like a, yeah, 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 like a Megatron, yeah. right? Yeah. I would I would be into that. Megazord, not Megatron. Yes, you are correct. Someone is furiously deleting a tweet right now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. Um so having not seen this before, Crazy. I was like yeah, I know. Parts of this are really great, but as with any sketch movie, you're going to get some unevenness, I feel. Yeah, but I think because it's only 90 minutes and, like, it flows well, Yeah, it I does. can forgive things. Yeah, it's an easy watch, for sure. It's, not, like, anything that you're thinking, like, oh, boy, this is overstaying its welcome is probably almost over. Mm-hmm. So that works out in its favor pretty tremendously, I feel like. Um, in general, it's nice to hang out with Mel Brooks. Like, I'd give this Always a, good to a see lighter him. recommend. Yeah, this is not like his peak or anything like that, but it's pretty solid. I have a feeling this show is going to stink, is like my general I think gut feeling. It, I think it's going to be perfectly fine. I don't think yeah. it's going to be aggressively bad, but I think it's going to be like, oh. I think it's four episodes, and I think they called it a two-night event, so I'm guessing it's today, Monday, when you're hearing this, and then also tomorrow, but you know, I yeah. didn't look it up and we're not on Hulu's press list. Although I thought about asking, a little too late of an idea to do that. Mm. Uh, um, Ask now. We can always supplement. <laughs> well, we don't need to. <laughs> we don't need an advanced copy if we're recording this three days before the yeah. episode okay. comes out. We're not gonna get a. We're not gonna get a, another recording done before the show drops. So, um, but yeah, I thought you know, in general, it's it's uh, it's got some great gags as you'd expect from a Mel Brooks thing. Um, most of it works, I would say. You know, there's not a ton here that's topical enough to to be lost, which was which was good. Very good. Although I do think we have what five years left before nobody knows who who there nobody under. Uh, sorry, a significant portion of the population doesn't know who Hugh Hefner is. I don't know. Um, I feel like he will always be brought up in the zeitgeist because, like, he was a character in the Pam and Tommy Lee show. I haven't watched Pamela's documentary on Netflix, like her own story. I imagine he's involved okay. in that. There's a okay a Hulu special about murder, the Playboy murders. So like, I feel like because Playboy yeah. will will live on, I feel like he will. But that Playboy is dead. Like the brand doesn't exist anymore as anything. So that's really like, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, the magazine is long gone. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They still sell T-shirts. I have one. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. Maybe, you know what it'll be? Maybe it'll be like, you know how you can buy Pan Am shit because it was just a good logo? Yeah. It's like swinging 60s. Maybe that's just it. Like the Playboy Bunny lives on. The Playboy Bunny will live on forever. But yeah, I have a a, a cut into a crop top. It's purple with pink. (laughs) Of course you did. It's purple. It's a purple shirt with pink, the pink bunny. And it says Playboy down the back, like the bags that say thank you. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'm going to watch the show. I'll check it out. You know, yeah. I'm, uh, frankly, I'm curious to see what Mel Brooks is doing at 94. You know, yeah, it's kind of right? wild that he's still creating stuff. So I, you know, good I also always him. forget that he uh, produced the Elephant Man. He did, yeah. Such a yeah. such a weird like veer for him. Just liked the story, you know. Uh, I highly recommend his book. Uh, the super entertaining. I enjoy that. I've said that on here before. I I don't. This doesn't rank favorite for me. And I said I think I said this on our episode about Spaceballs, where it's like. Every other time I watch Spaceballs, I like it, and every other time I watch it, I'm like, eh. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's like a, it's got to hit me in the right moment. 
Men in Sights is the one I have the most fond memories of, although I have not watched it in forever, and I would imagine it does not hold up very well. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious. Have you watched it at all lately? No, it's been a very long time. Yeah, I probably haven't watched it since I was a kid, but I was like, you know, very curious to see. But yeah, I would give this a, a lighter recommend. It's also on Hulu where the new show is going to be, so yeah. it's easy to find, or on the Internet Archive if you uh, if you need that, if you don't have a Hulu subscription. So yeah, light, light recommend on this one. Uh, two Mel Brooks movies in a very short amount of time, both on the shorter end of episode lengths, I feel, because it's harder to talk about his type of comedy with our show because everything is so insane. We can't... <laughs> It's hard to like spin up, and we just love like, and it's, it ends up being me gushing about how well, how good of a writer he is. Yeah, exactly. But it's also like hard to do our bits of like, ah, oh, what's the, what are these two side characters doing? Because like that's already the movie. Yeah. So. Wait, what was the? Uh, we, we did spaceballs recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did spaceballs for a big anniversary. Mm. I was trying to think. Five, like, probably in the last six months. Then. Yeah. No, it definitely was. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll probably hit Mel Brooks again down the road at some point. I, I don't know what it'll be, but yeah. we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, well, I, actually, he may not have that many more eligible things, to be honest with you, because they're not sequels. So, Oh, true. So we, we may be close to the end of the Mel Brooks run. Thank you so very much for listening. As we said, we have a full-length episode on Tremors that just dropped over on Patreon, a movie we both love very deeply, and it was a blast talking about that. So go check that out at patreon.com slash dissectingthe80s. You get your own custom RSS feed. You can drop it into your favorite podcast player, and you uh, don't have to learn a new app. So that's kind of a great feature of it. But visit that and see if there's a tier that works for you. Uh, we, we try to have some cool stuff at all the tiers, including a sticker for everybody who signs up. So if you want a sweet Dissecting the 80s sticker, that's where you can get it. Visit us uh, on Twitter at Dissect the 80s or on Facebook, Dissecting the 80s. We'd love to hear from you. We, uh, we enjoy uh, anything we get from our listeners. Thanks very much for listening to the show and, and for being part of our little community here. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.